Hello, hello. Hello, YouTube, and hello, YouTube Pipe community. I hope everybody is doing well on this windy Wednesday evening. Um, I want to apologize uh, quickly. I like to have this pipe cast out every Wednesday between noon and five, really any time between those times. But uh, there was a bit of uh, uh, an emergency today, um, and I had to go to my partner's apartment and um, babysit, and then the power went out. So I was going to work on my pipe cast at her apartment, but the power went out for about uh, four hours, four and a half hours. And uh, I just got back to uh, my house, and now I'm doing the recording here. So anyways, again, my apologies. But as I was saying, hello, hello. Uh, I hope you're all doing well, and I hope you all have some nice plans for New Year's. I myself might, and I mean might, be staying up past midnight. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> my uh, my partner's working pretty early in the morning uh, the, on New Year's Day, uh, so I'll probably just hit the hay when whenever she decides to go to bed. I, uh, for me, one of those things, I you know, I don't know, maybe if I was in New York, you know, close to like Times Square, you know, New Year's would be fun. Or maybe if I had more friends, maybe, you know, <laughs> and New Year's parties, that'd be fun. But bah, I've never been one one who's been too big on New Year's. Anyway, anyway, this episode of the Pipecast with Jimmy is, uh, is going to be a yearly retrospective. Um, I think I'm going to give my top five favorite memories or events of this past year and uh, my bottom five memories or events of this past year and um and then a couple of random things which i'm just gonna call crazy things i think and i think there's only two of them i originally had five crazy things but i figured this pipe cast would run a little long and three of the five crazy things um were very political and um i didn't want to get into that i guess <laughs> um but anyways, I mean, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day, if people want to hear me talk about political things, or if people want an opinion, then I'll give them that. Uh, and if you do, let me know. Leave them in the comments, you know? But, uh, before getting into the Pipecast, because I guess this is the housekeeping portion, which I originally was going to nix from this Pipecast, but, I don't know, every Wednesday I feel like there's something I need to say. But anyways, so, before getting into the actual Pipecast, I just want to give a big thank you. To all of the people who have found my channel and who have subscribed, um, who have liked my videos and commented on them, thank you so very much. It's uh, it's it's a genu it's genuinely a nice feeling uh, to actually you know uh, uh, feel like you're a part of community a, a part of a community. Pardon me. So uh, thank you very much, guys. That's honestly too kind of you, and uh, I hope I'm not too disappointing, or I hope I'm not letting anybody down. Uh, with the content I'm pushing out, um, again, you know, especially when it comes to the Pipecast, uh, take everything I say with a grain of salt, you know, it, my opinion is just my opinion, it doesn't have to be your opinion, and, um, yeah, well, anyways, I, I hope you like it, and, um, if there's anything you hear or agree with or disagree with, uh, you know, leave it in the comments, um, if you want to say something rather inflammatory, that's fine as well, I guess, I, you know, I'm not one for fighting in the comments of a video or anything, but if there's something you feel like you, that I'm severely wrong about and you want to, um, um, 
I don't know, speak about it more in depth. You know, comments I don't think are the great place for it. But you can email me at pipecasterjim at gmail.com. Pipecasterjim at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase. Um, or, you know, if you want to email me for any other reason, like there's something you think I should talk about, then, yeah, go ahead and, e- and email me that. Now, um, because there's a lot of new listeners, um, this might be the first time that you're listening to the Pipecast with Jimmy, so I have to tell you this is an audio-only Pipecast uh, that you can find on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, not iTunes yet, I'm still waiting to hear from the boys over at Apple, uh, but uh, yeah. This Pipecast, I usually try to keep around 35 to 45-ish minutes, give or take a few minutes. And uh, with this video, with this format, I guess, I expand on a specific subject. You know, something I love, something I hate, something I'm annoyed by, something I'm confused by, whatever. Uh, This is just a place for me to talk more uh, uh, rigidly, I guess, I, I don't know if I could say that, R- rigidly about a specific subject, whereas something like the 7 o'clock smoke is just a chat, you know. And then, like, the review videos are obviously a, a review on something. So here is the, like, this is the space where I delve into a topic, and do a bit of background research and, and fact-gathering. But, you know, again, feel free to leave a comment or, or you know, questions or whatever uh, because it's because uh, I really enjoy interacting with an audience out there. Uh, whether you love me or hate me, <laughs> I like interacting with you. So, Also, uh, I, I should point out that this Pipecast isn't really about pipes and smoking. Um, it may be someday, depending. Um, but I've only really called it the Pipecast uh, because I smoke a pipe while I talk. And there's actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, there's actually probably more relighting of my pipe than smoking it. <laughs> Which also, that's where my name on YouTube comes from, by the way, in case you're wondering. Because my original idea was to have one video a week, and it would be like a 40 to 50 minute long podcast that I call a pipe cast. And what do you call people who podcast? They're podcasters, you know? So I'd be a pipecaster. So Pipecaster Jim. My name's James. I go by Jim, Jimmy, James. You can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I also... I almost, for, I almost forget to do this every time. Uh, this week, while I'm recording the Pipecast, I am smoking out of my lovely little uh, Peterson Calabash pipe. I don't remember what kind it is, uh, but it's rusticated. It's very pretty. I like it. It's very comfortable to hang out of the mouth. And I'm smoking some old uh, Cornell and Deal Briar Fox uh, that I found in a mason jar. <laughs> In a cabinet that I had only half smoked before, I left. Uh, I left to do my masters a year ago, and it's good. I really like it. I I, I enjoy Briar Fox a lot. I think it's great. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people out there, or at least maybe people like me who haven't had that many different tobaccos. I mean, when I think of a of a Virginia, I think of something like. 
Dunhill or uh, Peterson's Elizabethan mixture. But Briar Fox, I think, is. I don't know, it's just really nice. There's something smooth about it, something very pleasant about it. Um, yeah. I like the uh, the crumble cake um, uh, presentation of it, I guess. Uh, I found it very moist and easy to work with. Uh, it just. I'm not going to say it fell apart in my hands, but it was close to it. It was just perfect. I, I really liked it. And that was the first crumble cake I ever tried. Um, yeah, great blend. If you haven't tried it, I you know I, I suggest you go out and try it. I, I really enjoy it. I think the last time I'd smoked it uh, before today was probably August of 2020. And cause I, remember the, I remember one time I smoked it. It was a hot day, and I was walking down to my corner store. Uh, to buy a bag of chips and uh, some mixers, I think, because I think I was I think I was out of uh, like coke and stuff up at the house. So we we're having a bit of a get together, and uh, my girlfriend and I walked down to the corner store together. And uh, yeah, it was great. Just a great memory with that with that tobacco. Great memory, great tobacco. Everybody should go out and smoke it if you haven't. Um, yeah. So moving on, because I guess that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into the top five goodies, baddies, and whatever of 2020. So I'll probably stagger these, I think. Or I'm thinking I'm going to anyways. We'll see how it turns out. But my plan is to stagger these because I don't want to give like five bad things in a row. You know, so... I think I'm going to start with a good memory, because I might even add uh, uh, a good memory stroke event uh, at the end of this. But uh, also, they're they're not in any any specific order. They're just separated by good and bad. So my partner would kill me if I didn't say this first. Uh, <laughs> or she, she might not kill me, but she'd be disappointed. So I have to say. That my first good memory on this list of 2020 is, uh, you know, easily one of my favorite, and it was seeing my girlfriend, named Natasha, for the first time in a year. Uh, after I got back from England, uh, I was stuck in this kind of mandatory 14-day uh, quarantine period, so I was quarantine. I was <laughs> quarantining. God, I, I gotta learn how to speak before I sit down and do these things. Um, I was quarantining, quarantining, uh, in my parents' basement in this kind of self-contained unit, sort of, with all these doors closed, and my parents would essentially slide me food <laughs> under the door so I could eat. Uh, I had a little, I have a little bathroom down here and a shower and a bed, uh, so that was good. But. I'm trying to think. I think I saw her on... The first time I saw her was September 10th of 2020. And the last time I had seen her was September 22nd of 2019. I left to fly to England on our anniversary <laughs> last year. And I only saw her for a year. For a year, mind you. I only saw her as like a grainy image on my phone when we'd talk every day. Uh, but yeah, but the, the worst part about this best memory is that I couldn't even hold her hand when I got back because of, you know, this 
this this this this fourteen day mandatory uh, mandatory quarantine. So this one time, I stood at the bottom of a, of a flight of stairs, and she stood at the top, and we wore our masks and talked. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was pretty hard, but I mean, it was still a great memory, or experience, or event, or whatever, uh, because it was the first time I saw her clearly. <laughs> in a in a year, which was really nice. It was uh, she was even more beautiful than I remembered. I can honestly say that. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just reading this on my list. <laughs> oh man, so this bad memory. So this next bad thing, this or this bad thing coming up, is kind of a joke bad thing, but it's <laughs> it is stuck with me. And if my friend Dan out there, I'm gonna give you a shout out, Dan, in England from Cumbria. Uh, if you ever listen to this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have this written down as bad. A terrible steak from M&S. So, for any non-UK listeners, uh, there's a department store chain in uh, in the UK. And I'm pretty sure it used to be in Canada, too. But uh, it's called uh, M&S, or Marks and Spencer's. And I started buying these really, really nice rump steaks there from essentially the beginning of lockdown uh, 2020 to the time I left. Uh, But I'd take these big, beautiful rump steaks home and I'd fry them up in a pan with garlic and butter and salt and pepper and some steak spice and whatever else. Maybe a bit of onion or something. And I, I, I honestly have to say, they were the best steaks I've ever had in my life. A little expensive... But they were just so perfect and tender, and they came out so juicy. You know, it was like, and I like my steaks medium rare, where they're where they're kind of. No, I don't want to say that they're dripping wet, but they're they're juicy. You know, they're moist, very moist. Oh my god, I'm <laughs> my mouth is watering just talking about them. But anyways, the point of the story is that I had told my English friend Dan that I cook a really good steak. And so I invited him over for a steak dinner one night, and I screwed up his steak. And by screwed up his steak, I mean I cooked it a medium rare. He's more of a medium kind of guy. Or no, it was the other way around. I cooked it more of a medium. He's a medium rare. So I felt bad. So I invited him back to give me a second chance. <laughs> and uh, this was in the middle of the summer too, so I bought some nice red wine. I had some nice English beer from the Black Sheep Brewery in the fridge. Uh, I was... Uh, shucks, it was their flagship beer, Black Black Sheep Stout or something like that. And their beer, the Holy Grail, which is like a Monty Python-themed beer. It was delicious. But uh, yeah, so I had red wine and beer, and I fried up some carrots and some greens, and I even made potato salad with my own secret recipe. And I, I, I was, you know, I was pumped. This was great. Now, I bought these two lovely steaks from M&S, and when I cooked them, they both looked perfect. I let them sit for five minutes, you know, to just soak up that moisture. He cuts into his steak. It's perfect. I cut into my steak. It tastes delicious. You know, all both our steaks are perfect. I watch him second cut of his steak looks even better than the first, you know. And he's like, yeah, he goes, you know, Jimmy, you've, you, you've, you've, you've redeemed yourself. Good job. And I'm like, thanks, man. Second cut into my steak and I can't cut through it. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I'm trying to cut, and I'm trying to cut. I just couldn't get through it. So I really had to power this knife through this steak. You know what it turns out it was? It wasn't even a steak. It was just a huge lump of fat. 
the whole thing was just fat. And I must have paid probably about 8 pounds, maybe 9 pounds on the steak, maybe even 10 pounds on the steak, I don't know. But the whole thing was just a lump of fat. There was little to no meat on it at all. It was just a big, white lump of fat. I was so upset. So <laughs> I made this beautiful dinner, and we'd been drinking. We'd been drinking like we'd never seen alcohol before, you know what I mean? Or maybe 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 we've been drinking like we've seen too much alcohol. I don't know. But uh, uh, I was counting on that steak, you know. But I mean, it was also a delicious steak. So I kind of sat back and I had to eat a bunch of my potato salad. And I also think I bought a I think I bought an apple pie for dessert. So I think I ate some of that too. But it was just so 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 disappointing. It was, it was, it was honestly the worst steak I've ever had or I've ever seen in my life. And that's why that makes this list. It's just a silly little thing that happened to me once, one evening. It didn't really ruin the evening, but I just, I still have pictures of it on my phone. It's, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, it's just crazy. So I thought it deserved a place on this list. Um, moving on to uh, a good memory or event. Actually... Maybe I'll relight my pipe. Maybe I'll relight and talk. So a good memory or event from this past year. So a good memory or event uh, from this past year is um, I bought myself a lovely birthday present. I bought myself a Dunhill pipe. So a Dunhill is uh, is something I've I've always wanted. Well, at least for the last three or four years, anyways. And I think for people who smoke pipes, whenever you hear about Dunhill, like that's I I don't want to call it the holy grail because there's pipes that are more expensive and more sought after than Dunhills. But from where I sit or from where I'm sitting, in my mind, a, a Dunhill is something. You don't have to have, but it it's nice to have because you can say I have a Dunhill. You know, it's not even about a status thing, or maybe it is. But it's just it, it's just a nice thing to own, and I get why people like them. They're great smokes. They're near perfect smokes, if not perfect smokes. Um, I've bought one in the UK. Uh, I'm trying to think, maybe June, July. It was an early birthday present. But, uh, yeah, I bought one during the beginning of the summer, I think, or mid-summer in the UK. Uh, it was a good price. Uh, I, it's a Bent Rhodesian, I think. And it's from 81, um, from uh, the Broyer line, I guess, if, if you can call that a line. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a 81 Broyer Bent Rhodesian. It smokes great. Smokes dry. Uh, I've, I, I, I smoked it a few times when I was in the UK. Um, but I haven't smoked it since I've been back in Canada. And mainly because I think this is a pipe I, I want to take care of and I want to break out on special occasions. Which I broke out on Christmas for a smoke. So that was nice. Uh, I broke out when my friend, uh, who I hadn't seen in a year, was up visiting me uh, in Kingston. So that was good too. But yeah, it's just great. I love the shape of it. And I, I've never seen a pipe, or a, I should say I've never seen a Dunhill pipe that looks like it. Uh, I was actually concerned before I purchased it. I had joined, oh, what was it, Pipe 
Pipes Magazine, Tobacco Pipes, or Pipe Smoking Magazine forum or something like that. Anyways, this forum online, and I posted pictures of this. I said, is this even a real Dunhill? I can't find any information on it anywhere. And like three or four people replied. They're like, yeah, I have a shape like that. I put mine's an 83. Somebody's like, I have the exact same one. It's an 81. And they walked me through the, the, the stamping and the dating of it and everything. So I bought it. I snatched it up. And I just think it's beautiful. I love it. I really do. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, the, the last time I smoked in the UK, I was drinking a gin and tonic, sitting by a river, feeding ducks and geese in August, and s- sitting under a big chestnut tree. It was, uh, you know, I, th- there's no, there's no better smoking memory. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's just, it, it was just such a great memory, such a great evening, such a great pipe. I don't ask me what I was smoking because I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was probably like an aromatic or something. Which maybe that's a topic for a, for a different pipe cast. But I never really thought I was an aromatic guy. But I guess just quickly before I move on to the next bad thing, um, if I'm in the mood to smoke more than once a day, which I'm not usually. Uh, I mean, sometimes I am, but you know, I have. I, self-control I guess I don't know um or you know I don't want to go outside in the pouring rain or the freezing cold so if I go out and have a smoke I usually like to pick like a nice tobacco that I that I like a lot like a a proper non-aromatic tobacco but if I know I'm going to be smoking several bowls throughout the day I'll probably choose an aromatic especially if I'm going to be like with family or friends because I know they tend to smell a bit nicer and uh, and I like or people like to smell what you're smoking before you put it into your pipe and usually the aromatics smell nice so people are like oh that does smell nice and it can become a kind of a conversation piece whereas I remember once I opened uh, a tin of Presbyterian mixture for some friends in England I said this is what I'm smoking and they said oh my god Jimmy put it away that stinks that reeks put it <laughs> put it away yeah so the next bad thing on this list that's probably a given, I think, for most people. Uh, well, actually, let me retract that statement. The next bad—I'm just gonna say—the next bad thing on this list, uh, for me personally, anyways, was the English lockdown uh, that I was stuck in, and it was tough because everything shut down overnight, or or in the span of like twelve hours. It was businesses, pubs, restaurants, stores of all kinds, transportation like buses, taxis, trains, etc. Um, but the most difficult part of it all was that all the universities shut down as well, uh, which meant that all the libraries and special collections were closed. You, you couldn't access them, no matter what. Like it, it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. You could have been the queen, and they would have said, "No, no, your highness, it's closed." Now, for any of you who don't know, I guess I was writing my master's dissertation um, in the UK, so it, it was especially hard for somebody who's for well anybody like me, even you know, and I'm sure it was hard here in North America too when you had uh, uh, schools and universities and whatnot shutting down, and people were trying to study for exams or write papers and whatnot. Oh, and I guess also, too, I mean, like, not all stores shut down. Like, grocery stores and pharmacies stayed open. But 
pretty much everything closed down immediately because there's so much confusion about how to operate during a lockdown. Which, you know, it was the first lockdown. And uh, so, like, all these food places, I mean, even, like, you know, Greasy Spoons down the street, they were closed. And, and nobody was offering takeout either because they are like, can we stay open for takeout? Is this possible? Are drivers going to be allowed to um, uh, uh, deliver food? Like, is, is that, is that part of, or is that going to be allowed in this, in this governmental lockdown? Or, pardon me, is this, is this going to be allowed in the, in, in the lockdown measures and whatnot? So for like a solid week and a bit, it was just utter chaos. Um, and <laughs> that was tough. And it was also tough because, <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound kind of, Sobby, and you know, don't pity me. I'm I'm not looking for pity or anything. I'm just I'm just explaining to you what was happening. But um, my my friends and all my all my all my colleagues and stuff left uh, the university as well. So they all went back home. Whether whether their home was in a different part of England, or back to Canada, or France, or wherever, I was suddenly left uh, all alone in England. Uh, in 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 a in a postgraduate community because postgrads were the only students that were essentially allowed to stay on campus. All the undergrads uh, were forced to leave unless they couldn't make it back home, back to their country of origin because they didn't have any money or something. But uh, yeah, so I, I was just left alone. And, you know, I'm not going to say I, I was left alone to fend for myself because it was, it was a pretty nice life, to be honest. But uh, it, it was just stressful, and it was made even more stressful because of the whole closure of the universities and collections and stuff, uh, which again, I had started writing my dissertation, uh, which is the most important essay I've written so far, and I had no access to libraries or collections or the universities of Oxford and Cambridge where I needed to get to uh, get my hands on some, some collections of of works and drawings and stuff related to Sir, Chris, Sir Christopher Wren and things that were actually drawn or written by him, uh, by the man himself, 300-odd years uh, ago. And, uh, one, like, a, a big part of my dissertation was recreating a, a, a 3D space in the virtual world, and I, I'd only been to this space that I was supposed to recreate once before. And though I had pictures of it, you know, pictures don't do it justice, and you need to be able to walk that space. And and when you study architecture, you have to be able to literally walk through that space and see that space and see how it functions. And unfortunately there, I or with the lockdown, I couldn't do it, which made it extra hard, which, which made it doubly hard. And I had to actually buy... I, I bought over 500 pounds, which is, you know, I don't know, like um, 800 Canadian dollars or... I don't know, 600 American. So for all you Americans out there listening, because I'm sure there's more Americans listening than Canadians, um, I bought $600 worth of books for my dissertation. And I, you know, I wasn't reimbursed by the university or anything. That just came out of my pocket, and I needed that to, to write my paper. And if I didn't write my paper, I was going to get an automatic fail. So that was really tough. It was very stressful. I actually lost, <laughs> like this, this is no joke, I actually lost a lot of my hair while I was doing it. And I didn't really realize it until I needed to give myself a haircut while I was in lockdown in England. And I uh, I was 
luckily I was able to find a uh, a razor or a, sorry a, uh, an electric trimmer, and I came home and I was shaving my head, and I was like, holy moly, my hairline has receded by like a solid couple centimeters. When did this happen? <laughs> when did when did this happen? I was so upset about it, but yeah, I can thank that. I can thank that on stress, or I can I can blame that on stress. Anyways, yeah, what a pain. But, uh, yeah, it was all pretty stressful. And, you know, speaking of pain, I'm looking out my window right now, and it is stormy outside and windy and rainy, and I'm I'm also looking at the audio here on Audacity, and it's picking it up. It's so loud. Wow. So if you hear a low hum throughout this pipecast, then my apologies. Please forgive me. It's a stormy day. Okay, well, uh, to lighten that up, to lighten the the bad the bad English lockdown, uh, let's talk about the good, which was also the English lockdown. <laughs> um, well, you know, though the though the lockdown in England was a big pain in the ass, and it was academically stressful. For large portions of it, I was probably the most relaxed I've ever been in my life. Well, maybe not large portions, but there were days where I was probably the most relaxed I've ever been in my life. I spent a lot of time smoking, trying new recipes in the kitchen, trying new techniques in the kitchen. I was walking early in the morning um, before anybody was out because there were restrictions on how long you could be outside. So I would constantly break (laughs) the rules uh, and I'd go very early in the morning when nobody else was out. Or... I'd walk around at midnight when nobody else was out. The one time I did get chased by actual police officers, I was feeding geese at about 1 in the morning. And uh, this cop car pulled up on campus and went whoop whoop. And uh, <laughs> I took my I took my leather loafers off and I ran back to my apartment, back to my flat, back to my student accommodation. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was a little scary, but my fault. I shouldn't have been out. But I went out anyways. Because, again, nobody was out at midnight, and I'd walk around for three hours from about 11 to 1 or midnight to 3 or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, actually, I guess 10 to 1. Uh, But, yeah, it it was really relaxing, and the whole time I was outside, I'd have a pipe hanging out of my mouth, and I'd carry water on me or a gin and tonic or something or a bit of scotch. And uh, I walked around the beautiful campus of York constantly. It was like living in a country park. Uh, they had this big, huge manor house on the edge of campus uh, called Heslington Hall. Gorgeous, gorgeous building. I just loved looking at it every single night or morning or whenever. Uh, Also, I walked around the city of York a lot, which is a very ancient city. Um, It's renowned for its, its medieval streets and medieval architecture. Uh, and also this kind of, I, I spent a lot of time in this semi-rurality or this urban rurality of, of Heslington Village and my campus because I was on the outskirts of York, um, but just past my campus was a village called Heslington Village. And there were other villages in that area, but you were never, like, if you walked out into a field, you were never far enough away from a village or a city that you that you were out in the country, like you can be in in Canada or America or something like that. You were always close to people or a town, but it was this illusion of of 
rurality, but it was still clearly urbanized. But it was nice. It was relaxing. I uh, I fed lots of bunnies every night from my kitchen window. I used to feed them uh, veg that that was going a little bad that I, that I had no time to eat or you know I forgot to eat or whatever. Um, <laughs> I was feeding geese and ducks by day, either from my window or just out on the lake. I saw foxes and hedgehogs and owls that night. It was just it was just such a nice relaxing time. And all the students on campus, as I had previously mentioned, they left. And the ones that stayed stayed indoors most of the day because they were afraid of of, of leaving their flat because of COVID. So I rarely saw people. Uh, so I. I, I essentially lived in this in this country park, in this country estate by myself for about three months until the lockdown restrictions started to lift a bit. And one of my favorite memories, though, of this time uh, was when I'd cut up a nice, proper rump steak, not like the one that I was telling you about earlier, but a nice, proper one. I'd cut it up for a sandwich for the next day. And uh, that next day, I put it in a sandwich with spinach and some cheese, some nice, uh, oh, what was it called? It's not cheddar cheese, it's, uh, uh, red, red Lester, red Lester cheese, which is the tastiest cheese ever, but, uh, yeah, I had it in a sandwich with red Lester cheese, spinach, mustard, and a bit of onion, and some pickles, and I took out these, uh, three different pint bottles of beer, and I went out to the neighboring uh, Walmgate Stray, and I sat under this big tree, and I watched cows walk around the field um, for the whole afternoon, really. And throughout it all, I was just sitting in this tall grass at the base of this tree, surrounded by wildflowers and bumblebees and butterflies and songbirds. It was just, it was just perfect. It was just so perfect. It was, you know, if if I had died right then and there, I would have thought that that was heaven. You know what I mean? It, it like it was maybe that doesn't make sense what I just said. If I had died right then and there, I would I would have been happy. I would have been content. If I had died and gone to a place like that, I would have like that's heaven. Now that maybe maybe perhaps if there is a heaven, that's my heaven. I don't know, but it was great. And I used to go try to pet the cows. I used to feed them bread too, which was great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So Hmm. While I try to keep this pipe lit, I'll uh, I'll tell you about a bad, another bad thing from 2020, which kind of aping off the the last bad thing and the most recent good thing. It's the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, I don't think. Well, I guess I'll just say it. You know the 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 death the deaths pardon me of loved ones is is obviously a tragedy. Um, the global economic situation, my economic situation, probably a lot of other people's economic situations. Um, yeah, it's just a crazy time to be living in. Uh, I you know I don't want to get too much into this whole pandemic. In, 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 into this whole pandemic is bad sort of topic um, but despite this little intelligent voice in my head that is saying don't talk about it don't even mention it don't bring it up I think I want to make a pipe cast on COVID 
and I don't know the 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 ups and downs, the the crazy, the strange, the whatever. But it'll be a long one, so I don't know. Maybe I'll start working on it soon and hopefully have it out next month because there's going to be a lot of statistics and facts and figures, and I think, in it. And, you know, and before anybody thinks, oh, my God, this guy who I've subscribed to, it doesn't believe in COVID. I do. I do. I think it's a bad thing. Lots of people have died from COVID. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with that. I just think perhaps the world could have handled it a little better, and perhaps... We, the citizens of the world, are, are um, having the rug pulled out from under us. And, and we don't even notice it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just don't know, YTPC. Or, you know, perhaps even pulling the rug out from under you isn't even the right term, I guess. Um, or saying, or thing. Perhaps what I'm trying to say... Uh, a little more bluntly, is that I think we're giving up a lot of liberties. And I, I don't mean that in the, in the, you know, I don't want to have to wear a mask way. I mean that in the, we're being taken advantage of as a society way. And governments are taking advantage of us. And they've quickly learned a bunch of things about their societies and how easily they can force societies to follow rules. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. I'm sorry I even mentioned it. But yes, that bad thing is the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. I thought that was obviously and easily going to come uh, on this list. And I hope you did too. I guess, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps in the future there will be a pipe cast on COVID. But I don't know. I don't know. And yes, everybody knows why, in air quotes, COVID sucks. So we're moving on. Because I don't want to spend that much time talking about it and people and having people hate me. <laughs> so another point on this list, a good point though, is uh, I bought... An, uh, it, it's another pipe-related point, I guess. Um, which, I, you know, I buy pipes a fair amount, I guess. I don't have many. Um, but this one surprised me. Because I've been looking at it since, I don't know, 20, 2019? Maybe mid-2019. I've always had my eye on it on smokingpipes.com. And finally, I pulled the trigger, you know? I reached into my pocket, grabbed that credit card, and I put it on the line, on the line, on the computer, on the Google, on the Google machine. And I bought this pipe. Um, and that pipe was my first Meerschaum pipe. I bought my first Meerschaum pipe from smokingpipes.com, as I just mentioned, and I love it. I don't know, like, after smoking it, I don't understand why everybody doesn't smoke a Meerschaum pipe. It smokes so cool, and so dry, and it, it's just perfect. It's just such a nice-looking pipe, too. Uh, this one that I ordered, I don't think they know who made it on the site. Not, I, mean, I don't know who made it. And frankly, I don't care who made it, but and I guess that's mainly because it looks nice. It has a it has a wine barrel carved onto it, and uh, and a grapevine carved onto that wine barrel and and kind of around part of the pipe. So yeah, it just looks great. It feels great. It smokes great. Uh, it's probably the best purchase of mine for 2020. I'd have to say. I think. <laughs> yeah. I you know yes yes 
that's it. I'm calling it. That is it. Best purchase for me of 2020 uh, of the year. Uh, this Meerschaum pipe from smokingpipes.com. I also got it on sale too, which was nice. Uh, it's beautiful. I love it. Uh, I don't smoke it as often as I should, but that's only because the stem, I, I don't know, what, what do you call it, a draft hole? I don't know. No, I guess not a draft hole. Anyways, the hole that runs the length of the stem and into the pipe, uh, it's very small. So I had to purchase some, I think I have a pack right here at my desk, give me a second. I had to purchase some uh, Falcon Extra Thin Pipe Cleaners, specially designed for Falcon Pipes. Pack of 50, suitable for all pipes, made in England. I bought three packs of these, so hopefully I won't be running out anytime soon when I'm smoking my lovely Meerschaum pipe. And, now that that, again, lovely Meerschaum pipe is out of the way, let's get to something else kind of bad about 2020. And that is that even in lockdown, people have managed to... Uh, pollute, I guess. I mean, you know, there were stories, I remember a few weeks or maybe a week or so after um, Italy was placed into lockdown, uh, there were news stories coming out of Venice that the canals were so clean uh, that people stopped polluting in the canals. You can see fish swimming around and oh my god, even dolphins have returned to, to Venice, you know? But I think all of that was quickly dispelled when they probably rightly pointed out that no, the canals are still disgustingly dirty and you should not swim in them uh, and people do not drink in them, bathe in them, don't do anything in them. It's just that the that the grit and sand and stuff on the bottom of these canals uh, is not being kicked up because, you know, you don't have gondola gond gondoliers, I guess? Yeah, gondoliers kicking up all the stuff on the bottom or you don't have boats kicking it up uh so now everything has kind of settled uh because the canals aren't being used and you can see the fish in them for the first time and dolphins i assume returned to venice because there was a severe lack of of boat traffic on the on the coast so yeah but anyways the whole point of this is i was so i guess i i guess i was just disappointed with humanity um when I saw these images, but has anybody out there seen the images online of people pulling masks by the dozens off of like beaches or out of woodland trails or out of the ocean and lakes? I mean, I've, I've also seen countless, I mean, me personally, you know, I, I've seen countless masks blowing across the street on windy days or masks caught in sewers or on, on chain link fences or masks on the floor of stores or in the parking lot. It's just so upsetting and sad, you know? That we, the human race, are so concerned with self-preservation that we don't mind destroying things, I guess, to help ourselves. And, you know, I'm not saying that every mask has to, like, or that every mask has been dropped purposefully or purposefully dropped. Um, I personally have a, you know, quote-unquote uh, designer mask, and by designer mask, I mean my girlfriend made me this mask. Uh, but yeah, she had this mask made for me, or pardon me, ma made me this designer mask that I throw in with my laundry uh, whenever I do the wash. But unfortunately for me, because I wear glasses, that just fogs up my glasses and I can't really use it. 
So I usually use the blue medical masks. Um, and I was doing a bit of math because I think, now I'm not sure here, but I think from July 24th, 2020, which is the date that the UK made mask wearing, or yeah, mask wearing mandatory uh, in all public places, to today's date, I think I've used about a dozen masks. Maybe a little more than a dozen. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm willing to... Uh, sorry, I'm willing. Oh my god, i got to learn how to speak. I'm willing to bet good money on that. Now, I've never lost a mask. Uh, the only reason I throw out a mask is because it smells, or I, or I broke it, <laughs> you know. But... Or, or one time my, my, my barber, Charles, he cut it. I'm like, thanks, Charles. Great. Um... <laughs> uh, and yes, I know the the blue ones are not supposed to be multiple use, but the longest I usually wear one is like thirty minutes while I get groceries. You know, I yeah, I don't know, and I I don't have the heart to just throw it out after one use. I mean, my sister, she's she's she works at a vet's, and I mean, she throws I don't know a couple out a day probably. But oh, also, you know, I'm also trying not to. I, I'm not saying that I'm better than everybody else for using. Uh, less masks or for not losing any I'm just using myself as an example to say that it's possible to use only a few masks and not lose them and try to keep track of them and not drop them on the ground you know I mean d does that make sense or am I just coming across as an asshole I don't I don't know maybe I'm just coming across as an asshole so my apologies if I am but I hope you kind of understand what I'm trying to say uh, by using myself as an example and you know I'm aware that some people have jobs where they have to use masks more often than I do, which means they're probably going through more masks, which is okay. You know, I totally get it. But again, my point is that the average person should be able to ration masks, I think, <laughs> like butter or sugar in World War II. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Maybe it doesn't make sense. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe I should cut this. I don't know. Should I cut this? Nah, nah. I'll probably leave it in. I'll probably leave it in. But I hope that makes sense. I mean, you know, I just think, you know, you know, like if you're working in the medical profession, yes, you're going to need to use more masks. But if you're somebody like me who is either partly laid off or laid off, you know, you don't need to necessarily be going through a mask or two a day. I don't know. And if you're going to throw them out, then I, they're probably better off in a landfill than in a, in a forest. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just digging myself a deeper hole here. So my apologies if I am. But, you know, also, I guess, while I'm on the subject, because, you know, <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound, right? <laughs> but while I'm on the subject, I guess, uh, did you know that they use horseshoe crabs for the creation of vaccines? Now, this came to my attention, I guess, about five or so years ago. Maybe a little more. Maybe whenever H1N1 was around. So, what, like 20... 2010 something like that i don't know so maybe a decade ago but i was reading a lot of articles uh from conservationists who started to fear uh for horseshoe crabs because the vaccine requires or the, the vaccine research pardon me requires this milky blue horseshoe crab blood and out of the many many and i i don't know the specific number here but i'm Maybe I'll look it up for a future pipecast. Maybe I'll look it up for the pipecast when I'm complaining about COVID. But anyways, 
out of the many, 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 many horseshoe crabs that they catch and bleed for vaccines, as much as 30% that are released back into the wild uh, die from this process. And it's sad because now, you know, again, conservationists are beginning to fear for horseshoe crabs. And the last couple of years apparently have been tough on horseshoe crabs uh, because they've been seeing more of them, I guess, like eaten <laughs> by birds and stuff on the beach or just like the ever-changing temperatures of the oceans have, have kind of fudged with their reproductive cycles and stuff. So there's a bit of an issue there. And I like horseshoe crabs. And... I guess this is just another example of humans being crappy, you know? Because uh, I wonder how many are being killed for our survival. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's sad. And again, you know, I think I'm going to do some more research into this for a future Pipecast, but it's just something to think about, you know? Perhaps perhaps we as, as, as humans, us humans shouldn't be screwing with the other life on this planet to save ourselves. You know, maybe that's... Maybe that's why we're in this mess. I don't know. I do not know. But yeah, just something to mull over. Just some food for thought. Just something to think about. So, I guess moving back to a good thing uh, is my dissertation. And I know you're all probably tired of hearing about my dissertation. But for me, this was something that uh, was really good. That was a big good thing for me in the year 2020. Although my dissertation, as I mentioned earlier, was a huge pain in the ass to write and research and whatnot, uh, I think I kind of loved it. <laughs> I think I really kind of loved it. But maybe <laughs> maybe it's more of like a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing, where the longer I was immersed in my dissertation, the more I liked it, you know? <laughs> the more I didn't want to leave it. Uh, and when I finally finished it, it, it felt like a huge weight was lifted from my shoulders, my chest, my mind, and everything else. You know, even my legs, for crying out loud. But I can honestly say I sort of missed it when I was done. And it, it was just such a long process that it was weird when it was over. Like, I began thinking about it in January of, of uh, 2020 pardon me, in January of 2020. And I had to come up with a possible topic by the end of February. And then I had to start uh, start submitting work related to it from March onwards. You know, so moving on from January, which is when I really had to start kind of getting into this dissertation writing mode this 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 phase of my life i worked from january on it till october 7th at 3 a.m <laughs> and that's when i finished it october 7th of this year at 3 a.m with images uh it was 101 pages long it was literally my baby you know i i worked on this thing for nine months and I essentially, <laughs> I essentially became an expert in the field of, of monastic and college libraries from 1100 to the late 18th century. You know, it was, it, it, it's just so weird. It was just so weird. It's just so weird having this thing that you started and you knew you weren't going to be done it for about nine months. And then when it was over, this thing that was 
just such a huge part of your life for the last nine months was gone. It was over, you know? And I mean, this was something that, if for anybody out there who's ever written a dissertation or anything, uh, this is something that has, it literally weighed on your mind for nine months. If you were sleeping, dreaming, you know, I, I can't tell you the amount of nightmares I had about not handing this thing in on time, you know? But yeah, if you were sleeping, dreaming, showering, shitting, uh, brushing your teeth, going for a walk, making dinner, you know, it was always there with you. And then when it was done, it was kind of like, wow, what do I do now? Do I, do I start another one? You know? <laughs> and uh, if anybody's interested, I think I briefly mentioned my dissertation or my degree in a, in a different video. But uh, I created the world's first model of one of Sir Christopher Wren's architectural designs. Um, it's the first 3D model, I guess, I, I should point out. But this design that I was working from, his design, it remained unexecuted in the 3D space until I got my hands on it 346 years after it was drawn up by Christopher Wren himself. Which, unfortunately, I would have loved to see the original designs um, and drawn by him, were at, which were in Oxford, um, but I couldn't get there. So I just had to work on some, uh, or work off of some electronic versions of it. But, you know, it, it, it just makes me proud to have completed this thing and to have done what I did, despite a worldwide pandemic stopping me and millions and millions and millions of other students across the world from accessing, like, 85% of the works and sites I stroke they needed <laughs> to get their dissertation done, you know? It's just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I I felt very proud. I felt very proud when I finished it. Again, it was like, I felt like lighting a cigar and shaking people's hands, you know? I felt like, <laughs> I felt like just going hanging out at a hospital, you know? And lighting cigars and shaking people's hands there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so there's another bad thing. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. So this bad thing I've labeled as, in my notes, uh, the new taxes and labeling of tobacco products in Canada. So I'm not really going to get into this one, uh, much like one of the other bad things we spoke about, but uh, I'm not really going to get into this because I've already made a whole pipe cast on this subject, entitled, What is Wrong with Canada? And the short answer to that question is that the government has raised taxes on tobacco and they've gone very, very uh, far out of their way to change the packaging on all tobacco products. Uh, they're, they're changing and have changed it to this drab gray-green color with plain white lettering uh, denoting the brand of the tobacco or the flavor of the tobacco or whatever. And... Uh, this, in turn, has caused many tobacco companies to stop selling their products in Canada. For instance, as far as I know, Peterson blends are no longer being sold in Canada, uh, including the Peterson-Dunhill blends, obviously. But if you're interested in that subject and why that's a pain, uh, or you know, if you want to hear more about it or whatever, then please feel free to watch that pipecast, which is episode two, I think. What is wrong with Canada? I might return to this subject in the future. I don't, I don't know. Perhaps I will. Perhaps I won't. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting pipecast, uh, just because I give you like lots of stats and and I just kind of talk about the the lunacy 
that was behind doing what the Canadian government did regarding pipe tobacco specifically, but also, I guess, all tobacco. So that's the end of five good and five bad things, uh, but I think we're going to end this list with one bonus good thing, and that's you folks. You folks. The YTPC. The YouTube pipe community. You know, it's 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 hard to express into words just how I feel about you folks out there listening or scrolling through or clicking through, which, I mean, I don't think many people are going to listen to this because it's probably going to be an hour long or so. But anyways, I just want to say you've all been so very warm and welcoming and kind, and you've all showed support or at least interest in my channel, uh, and, and, and that's really nice. That's really nice. It's nice to feel like you're a part of a community, especially because, I mean, I personally, I, I don't really have any any clubs or anything near me. I think the closest pipe smoking club is the downtown Toronto Pipe Club. First off, I don't even know if that exists anymore. And secondly, I do not live in Toronto. I live like a two and a half hour drive from Toronto. So I will not be going there, unfortunately. And I don't have any pipe smokers near me uh, other than a very good friend of mine who happens to live in Toronto. But, yeah, uh, you folks and the YTPC has genuinely been one of my favorite parts of this year. And I'm really glad that I that I started this YouTube channel. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't really know what else to say. I'm, I'm a little taken aback by your support. I'm shocked by the support. And, um, yeah, so... Thank you all so very much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. It, it really means a lot to me. Thank you very much. But before we go with this pipecast, I'm just going to give you a couple news bulletins. Some crazy news bulletins um, that happened this past year that you should... Maybe, maybe, you should maybe look up in your in your spare time. You might find it interesting. Because these are things that were not really talked about in some parts of the world. Uh, well, at least one of them wasn't. I remember it didn't get much media coverage from what I remember. And then the other one was a, is a specifically Canadian thing that was kind of crazy. But without further ado, I will mention these three crazy things, these three crazy news headlines or bulletins or whatever that you should take a look at whenever you get the chance. So, crazy world news event number one. The Beirut explosion, or the explosion in Beirut. Um, on August 4th, I believe, I'm just going to double check because I have an article open right now. Uh, yep. August 4th, uh, there was this devastating explosion in, uh, in uh, Beirut, uh, which is in Lebanon, for anybody who doesn't know. But uh, it killed 200 people and injured about 5,000 more. It completely rocked Beirut, uh, the, the, this port city. Uh, there was a fire at this warehouse, and I, I apparently there's this initial explosion that was then uh, followed by a series of smaller blasts. But then... There was this absolutely colossal, ginormous explosion 
that sent what actually looked like the mushroom cloud of, of an atomic bomb or something into the air. And you could see this supersonic blast wave just radiating from, from this blast point uh, all across the city and out into the ocean. Or, I guess, the sea, I should call it, because it's on the Mediterranean. Um, yeah, it, it was just this crazy blast. And I remember I looked it up, and I think I actually... I've, I've pulled it up again for this pipecast. But I have on Wikipedia uh, a list of the largest accidental artificial non-nuclear explosions by magnitude. So... I'll read you off maybe like the first three, uh, but number one is the Halifax explosion in uh, Nova Scotia in 1917. Very famous explosion. It was uh, two ships collided in the in the port of Halifax. They're carrying high explosives uh, during World War One, and that that had the the uh, equivalent of 2.9 kilotons of of TNT, I guess, or that explosion had the power of the of 2.9 kilotons of TNT, I guess, uh, which it, that explosion killed thousands of people and and deafened and blinded with with flying glass. Yeah, that's crazy. Number two is RAF. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's RAF fold explosion. F A U L D. It was in uh, Staffordshire in in the UK and happened in '44. It was military ammunition that was exploded, and it was two kilotons of TNT. Roughly, number three is the Port Chicago disaster in '44, um, which is in California, and uh, it was it was a bunch of military ammunition too, and that was 1.6 to 2.2 kilotons of TNT. Kind of breezing, breezing past a few more. On that list is number six, the Beirut explosion, and it was caused by ammonium nitrate, which I think was in these in these grain towers or silos or something like that or maybe there's a ship carrying I, I don't remember exactly how the blast happened but uh if you're interested in it and if you didn't hear about it then you should look it up but that had about half a kiloton of tnt now i'm not going to link any of the videos because some people might find it disturbing to watch but if you're interested you should seek out the videos of the beirut explosion it is awesome not not awesome as in cool awesome as in it filled me with shock and awe. I was I was amazed at the power that this explosion had. It, 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 like just amazing. I I I can't even describe it other than that. Just amazing. You should look it up. The Beirut explosion, 2020, Beirut, Lebanon. Um, absolutely crazy situation. Moving on to the second uh, crazy news stuff on my list is uh, some scuffles. I mean, I'm, I'm making light of the situation, but I'm still going to call it a scuffle. I, you know, I don't mean to make light of the situation, to be honest. But I'm going to make light of it by calling it a scuffle. So some scuffles uh, between uh, Chinese and Indian troops. High, high, high in the Himalayas. Um, I think over the summer, or maybe perhaps just after the summer, um, there were some fighting between... Chinese troops and Indian troops. Uh, China is trying to expand its 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 territory, its borders a bit across the Himalayas, and India is kind of stopping them in their tracks, or at least attempting to. And currently, I think, I think there's th I think I remember reading something about this the other day. There's thousands of Chinese soldiers camped on Indian soil or right next to to Indian soil, 
and you know all these negotiations to get them removed or to defuse the situation aren't working so India is bringing up more troops and, and ammunition and, and weapons and China is doing the same and uh, yeah they're, they're squared off against each other essentially and uh, <laughs> in, some, in some cases they're at altitudes above 5,000 meters you know, uh, the weird part about this this news story, though, is that at one point earlier in the in the year when when this had kind of started, uh, twenty Indian troops and an unknown number of Chinese troops, because they didn't release that information, were killed uh, in in this border dispute. But apparently, apparently. Not a single shot was fired by either side. So what happened? Some news agencies in some countries and stuff, I think India was one of the countries that claimed uh, that microwave weapons had been deployed in warfare for the very first time. Um, which is, you know, it's possible. I don't know. I don't know the technology that the Chinese have. It's, it's possible that it's, that it's severely advanced or very far advanced. Um, yeah, or, you know, there were thoughts that maybe they were just beating up, like, beating each other up with sticks and rocks, or lumber or whatever, or with their fists. And then something interesting happened the other day, <laughs> when I was watching the news, and, I mean, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist kind of guy, but I think sometimes there's a kernel of truth in a lot of things you hear, you, you hear. And I was watching the news, and some documents had been uncovered that France uh, has been working on creating super soldiers, as in like Captain America-esque super soldiers. And the UK has been working on it, and I assume America's probably working on it. Uh, but you know who else has been working on it? The Chinese. So, you know, I mean, just throwing this out there, what if, what if, this is crazy, I know, but what if they have created super soldiers and these super soldiers went over and beat the hell out of these poor Indian troops? Or maybe it was microwave weapons, or maybe shots were actually fired and everybody's just lying about it. But anyways, conflict between India and China in the Himalayas. It's, uh, it's scary. It's not, uh, not a good sign for the times, I don't think. And the third and uh, uh, final news story I have... Uh, for the crazy year that was 2020, is a rampage, I guess, a, a shooting spree, if you will, in uh, in Nova Scotia, in Canada. So this is something I don't really entirely know much about. Uh, I was out of the country when this happened. Uh, there wasn't media coverage in the UK about it, so what I saw was snippets online and what my friend was telling me on the phone. But... About 19 people were killed uh, by this gunman. And I, I'm going to read you part of, of this news article from when this story was just breaking. Because it, it reads like a movie. It really does. It, but it's, it's bizarre. And, uh, well, it's bizarre that it reads like a movie, which is what makes this thing so strange. So... I'll read you this part of this part of uh, um, this article from CBC, by the way. 
Uh, Nova Scotia RCMP responded to numerous 911 calls about a gun-related incident late Saturday night in the small community of, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this, Port-a-Peak? Port-a-Peak? I don't know. 33 kilometers west of Truro, Nova Scotia. Police said at a news conference last Sunday afternoon that they found several casualties inside and outside a residence, but no shooter. Eyewitnesses in the community later said they saw multiple fires. We saw a fire down the road and thought that and thought that that's all it was. Then we saw a second fire and a third fire, Porter Peak resident Mike McKay said Sunday morning in a telephone interview from his home. Police secured the area and began a search that led to multiple sites in the area, including the structures on fire. They eventually pursued the gunmen across several Nova Scotia communities. The province's police watchdog, the Serious Incident Response Team, named the village of Shubanakity, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Shubanakity, as the site of a serious criminal event. While driving near Highway 102, one of the province's main arteries, on Sunday morning, Shubanakity resident Darcy Sack said she and her friends saw two police vehicles on fire by the silver suspect vehicle. She saw an officer run toward one of the burning vehicles as shots rang out before seeing the shooter, dressed like a police officer, in the silver car again being chased by police. Crimes were scattered over at least 50 kilometers and 16 crime scenes, police said. The shooter used his gun during the rampage but may have used quote-unquote other methods as well, said RCMP Chief Superintendent Chris Leather. Now, the weird thing about this is Again, I think about 19 people were killed uh, in this rampage, and I don't even think we know much about the person or why he killed these people. But he was dressed like a police officer, and he painted his car up to look like a cruiser, like an RCMP cruiser, a Royal Canadian Mounted Police cruiser. And it's just weird. Like it's just it was just such a strange, strange story to be coming out of a, a relatively sleepy part of Canada. I think Nova Scotia. I don't know. That's really all I had to say about that one. It was just something that I've been thinking about a lot. Especially, I mean, I, I clearly I didn't see these two police cars burning in person, but that is something that feels like it could have been at the beginning of like the movie No Country for Old Men or something like that, you know? I don't know, very strange. Very strange times we're living in, I think, folks. And uh, with that, I'm probably far over my 35 to 45 minute um, mark. But that's okay, because it's the end of the year. This is the last pipe cast of 2020 so i guess it's okay to be a little long but with that folks i'm gonna get back to uh, smoking my briar fox out of my lovely peterson pipe and uh, i wish you all a great rest of your wednesday though unfortunately i think after editing and stuff this will probably come out on thursday uh, which again my apologies for um there's a bit of an emergency situation so thanks for dealing with me and thanks for bearing with me and uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday, or I hope you guys have a great Thursday. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I'm Jimmy, and you're listening to The Pipecast with Jimmy. Thanks a bunch, guys. <laughs>